is A Geek History of Time, where we connect nerdery to the real world. I'm Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history teacher in my early 40s. I have a 14-month-old son. I teach middle school, uh, and I have been a nerd basically as long as I can remember. Uh, one of my uh, seminal moments uh, in, in my personal nerd history was uh, actually playing uh, a samurai character for the first time in Dungeons and Dragons using the old first edition AD&D Oriental Adventures book and I had absolutely no idea what any of the high level abilities for my character were going to be but as I've mentioned in previous episodes my my outlook had been warped by too many samurai movies at too young an age and <laughs> I was I was ready whatever it was going to be I was ready take it away I'm Damien Harmony I'm a Latin teacher and I am my kid's mom no uh, <laughs> Well, you, know, you kind of are. Oh, shit. You kind of, Oh, you know. I meant that to be funnier than Saturn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have been a geek most of my life. I meant it to be uplifting. <laughs> I just want to note for the record. Uh, I am the father of a nine and a six-year-old. Uh, my nine-year-old is getting into slapstick comedy. Uh, the other day, I threw a banana peel on the ground and pretended to fall, and he fell over laughing so hard. Uh, both of my kids love Marvel movies, uh, which is fun. And my daughter is figuring out Mizzen Sen through the Avengers, which is weird and cool. She's six. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, wow. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I've been geeking out uh, most of my life. I remember distinctly playing a game called uh, Ace of Aces, which is a booklet game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I still have it upstairs. Oh no shit! Okay, <laughs> could, at some yeah. point, you got to you got to dig that. Yeah, out we could even point. do live stream that game. Oh yeah, yeah that'd uh, be. I used to have the Dragons of Pern version of it too, oh, but I don't anymore. Man. I gotta find it because my daughter would love That's it. That's obscure. Yes, which like has me doubly so like, all worked up. Yes. <laughs> I got such a grab on going on right now. I have no idea. <laughs> so yeah, that's 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 the kind of geek that I am, and uh, yeah, to my right. Uh, we have our guest back uh, from the previous episode because we interrupted him so much that we needed to have him back for more. <laughs> for, for another one. <laughs> you, sir, what is your name? My name is Derek Lipkin. I am a 32-year-old lawyer from San Francisco, California. And I like long walks on the beach, assuming there's a pinball machine at the end of the beach. Wow. And in San Francisco, <laughs> that's three beaches. That's, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a long, that's an isthmus worth of, of walking. It, it used to be easier uh, back when they had uh, Playland. That's, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. it was right at the beach. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, so, last week you wowed us uh, with a encyclopedic knowledge, <laughs> and you didn't even open the book, uh, of, of pinball. Uh, and we're able to handle every stupid question that we threw at you, <laughs> and every every nonsensical segue. Yeah, I loved it. It was off, I, I reveled in it. Off off mic, we asked him specifically about two games that we had seen at micro points in our life, and he immediately knew the game, who'd made it, <laughs> the history of it, its relation to thing. It was insane. Hell, had had you even just known, like, okay, I don't know what game that is, but I know where I can look to yeah. find it. That would have been impressive enough. Yeah. But you already like with the one that I that I mentioned, you you 
all written just from the description I gave. And admittedly, it was pretty specific kind of description. <laughs> yeah. There's, there, I, I didn't think there were very many games like it out there, but I was prepared to be surprised. Uh, just for for those, since you you all listening were not all four of you were not uh, <laughs> privy to the to the actual conversation. Uh, when I was in college uh, in the in the games area uh, of uh, the the municipal union at UC Davis, there was this borderline pornographic uh, uh, pinball game uh, that well it, it created borderline pornographic sound effects. Mm-hmm. I should say. Uh, that that I that I mentioned and and you immediately were able to go like okay that's like one of two games yeah. I'm pretty sure and you were like able to correct me on no that wasn't Bally it was a Capcom yeah. game <laughs> and you and, explained the mechanical and, widgets of it yeah it was it was insane you we're, know, we're we're both pretty blown away when, I when, just want you to understand that's like we bow I yeah. I holy. appreciate that no and I think is this is the joy of allowing someone to open up about their space. Mm. Because you you get to see them just teach you and show yeah. you, and I think it's it's such a joy. At yeah. least in my experience, meeting people like especially in the board game community, uh-huh. uh, in like different literary communities, like mm-hmm. that you just give them the opportunity to open up and they pour out all of this, and it's so great. It's fun, <laughs> yeah. And I was I was saying because I asked the same kind of thing, and he knew everything that I was asking about. And he's like, "Oh, that well, there was a trilogy," and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I meant this one. Oh, yeah, that was a fun one. I just played that last week." And I'm like, "Holy shit, is this what it's like talking to me about Star Wars?" And, and it is. It is. <laughs> so, just, just for for the record, yeah. it totally is. How come that guy's name is Bib Fortuna? Well, he's actually not accepted by the Twi'lek community, and that's why his <laughs> name is actually. And you know, I and and this has happened uh, <laughs> repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, and we'll, we'll get to nineteen ninety two, but that yeah. actually is. Uh, that's the... why I don't speed date anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that the Star Wars Data East machine is my app. Like, if that's in a tournament, I pick that game. Because oh, really? I know how to blow it up. Very, you know. Wow. In, okay. In a very Death Starian way. Okay. Nice. <laughs> very nice. <All> right. <laughs> uh, right. Anyway. Yeah, we, we left should. off last week with, uh, I believe there's a court case, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> there was, and the use of microtransistors, um, all wrapped up in one yeah. uh, that legalized pinball. Again, yeah, that re-legalized it. It was '76. Yes, yes, yeah. that was Roger Sharp's shining moment. His, yeah. his called shot, his Babe Ruth. I love, I love. By the way, how, how is is that something that he's nicknamed in the community, our Lord and Savior? Yeah, Roger Sharp? <laughs> I I would not be surprised okay. if uh, there's a shirt out there that you. Yeah, sure. In sharp we trust. I mean, truly, yeah. Roger Sharp. Just as an aside about him, I mean, he's a wonderful person. I've met him. Uh, he's still very involved in pinball community. Uh, and his son is actually the president of the International Flipper Pinball Association, the IFPA, which manages the World Pinball Points Ranking System, the Whoppers. And it is the sort of definitive system that ranks players worldwide, which where I have my own ranking. I'm in the top 1,000. Uh, I'm not bragging. <laughs> Please do brag for yeah. a second. Feel, feel free. <laughs> Tell us your rank. I, right now, it's slipped a little bit. Uh-huh. Now I'm 706 as of a few hours ago. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because you're here instead of because you're at a tournament. Here, yeah, right. yeah this, actually, there was a tournament tonight, and I was, but I was more than happy to come spread the gospel. Okay, that's that's what what pinball always always desires to be 
distributed amongst, <laughs> amongst the, the lay out, people out of the, the world. Out to the yes. <laughs> You're 706 in the world. Where are you in the country? Where are you uh, in, in the oh, state? Yeah. Where I can, are I can you pull it in up. the city? In the So actually, I think in the city, well, mm-hmm. I guess you, if you went by the uh, league I'm in, which is sort of the definitive league in San Francisco, right okay. now I'm number eight. Wow! Uh, yeah, okay. so we, we're still ten. So, so how many? Just, just because I'm not because I sure. doubt your virtuosity, but because I'm just curious, how big is the league? So right now it has 86 players. Okay. So yeah, so I'm some top right 10%. there in that top 10 percent, and okay. actually top eight is where you want to be um, when the season is said and done, because that is those players get a buy in the playoff. So at the end of the season, after 10 sessions, they take your eight best scores. Mm -hmm. That seeds you into the tournament, as long as you're available to play in the tournament. Uh, And then you, yeah, those top eight players get a bye. The 16 players under them duke it out to get back into the final 16 bracket. Sure. And then you just go head-to-head until the very end. Nice. Yeah, and it's great. It is great. I, I had the good fortune last season of progressing into the final 16 mm-hmm. with a like a really it was a saving throw of a final game right. and it was <laughs> such it was like barely made it through um with just like last minute heroics like and the giants beating the royals in the world series exactly like, shouldn't have won <laughs> oh my god yeah that was a real I, I watched that and like wept at the end because yeah. i was just like <laughs> so much went into this oh yeah one man rotation <laughs> turns out it works yeah. you know? <laughs> Uh, but then, uh, yeah, so th- by the time I got to my round of 16 match, I was drained. And I, so it, it really <laughs> wow. is a marathon when you get into that level mm-hmm. of pinball. Uh, but here, let me, let me, I'm going to go on to the IFPA website, ifpapinball.com. I'm player 33048. If anybody else wants to see me out there. Right now in California, I'm 160th, which is not very impressive. But over the course of the year, I'll play some more California tournaments, hopefully bump that up. Mm-hmm. If you're in the top 24, you get to go to the state championship, oh, wow. which I got to play in the past two years, uh, which is always just a fun honor to go sure. out and play. Nice. Uh, I went down to Southern California two years ago, uh, actually made it into the final eight. Uh, and then this this year, I, w- I was in the field of 24. Unfortunately, I lost my first match okay. uh, in a barn burner. Went all the- So you played best of seven games every round. Uh, and we went to the seventh game. It was just wow. a crazy back oh, and forth. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was great. And you've gone out to Pittsburgh for this stuff. Yes. Too, right? So the, so the yeah. largest. Uh, well, so apocryphally, mm-hmm. there are apparently pinball tournaments that happened in the '60s and '70s that mm-hmm. had upwards of like 5,000, 10,000 participants. I think those numbers were inflated wow. by whatever journalist was reporting on them at the time. Sure. But the on the record largest mm-hmm. pinball tournament is in Pittsburgh. It's called Pinburg. And it is an annual event. It takes place at a larger gaming event called Replay FX, okay. which is put on by the Replay Foundation uh, in Pittsburgh. And it's you know just like California Extreme in Santa Clara, mm-hmm. big convention where there's all sorts of games. Um, they have the largest pinball tournament. Last year was 800 players. This year is going to be a thousand players. Wow! And the tickets, cool. so you just buy your way in. Okay. Um, it's just a ticketed system. Tickets sold out in under 20 seconds. It is a Ooh, hot ticket. Cow. Yes, so a thousand spots oh, sold out in under twenty seconds. That's um, amazing. Yeah, and I was fortunate enough to get another ticket this year. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't. I, and it's funny too. A lot of people talk about technical issues that they have when they're booking their ticket. I just always go. On, I mean, I go on right when nine o'clock rolls around and the tickets release, but I never have a problem just hitting Click the button and go. And going. Yeah, I don't know if I just have a. A, a very karma. good connection, yeah. <laughs> that's karma. That's, um, but yeah, so that's like that's trying a, to get tickets for San Diego. <laughs> yeah. like you're, you're either you're either one of the elect, 
Yes, that yeah. that the gods favor or you're, <laughs> you're not. Uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a ton of great tournaments. And actually, I, I help with the live broadcasting of the San Francisco tournament. It's called City Champ. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be every December, but we're actually moving it into June. So I don't know okay. exactly when this will drop, but yeah. if it's around June, if you go to twitch.tv slash sfpins, okay. you can watch the tournament live from Very San Francisco. Cool. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, one uh, sixtieth, and then worldwide seven hundred six. So I'm gonna pump that up. My goal is to get top five hundred by the end of the year. That's so a pretty good up, goal. I'm gonna put up All some right. some good numbers. Nice. Um, good luck with it. That'd yeah. Cool. Thank you. Uh, anyway, yeah. So we were talking about Roger Sharp and and his ilk, or still in charge of pinball today. Sure. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, that was really a pivotal moment for the game mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, it finally lended it this legitimacy as an amusement rather than having the stigma of being associated with the gambling of mm-hmm. days of old. Or, and, or, or just kind of the seediness yes. of it all. Because I know when, when my dad reminisces about you know that machine that was down at the, at the service station down mm-hmm. the street from his, his frat house, there's always, there's, when, when he talks about it, there's always this edge of like, well, you know, we were getting up to no good. Kind of, kind, of, <laughs> kind of tone, you know, and he he was a fraternity brother in the early 60s, so yeah. there was a certain amount of getting up to no good that was, you know, that was In a cardigan probably, sweater. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, well, it was North Florida, I don't know. I think it was too warm for cardigan sweaters. It was it was uh, uh, Florida State, so I don't, wow. I don't think, but... So uh, he really kind of wrote the seminal work. <laughs> yes. What's the time on that one? Uh, That's 1327. Oh wow, we made it that long. Uh, well, I was you're, letting Derek have it for slipping. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gee, Christmas. Uh, yeah. Normally but... you leave a trail of tears. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my man. Ouch. Oh, that was okay. good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think you're totally right. Yeah, it did have that kind of sense, and I think because of that trajectory it really was not available at least in the way that we think of it like the modern arcade was not really present yet yeah right. and so yeah like a pinball hall probably wasn't quite as well established it was probably at a bar or it was probably you know in like just kind of low rent gangsterism i yeah. would imagine it would, it would be like bugsy malone when he was a kid kind of stuff <laughs> you know like yeah you know just like juvenile delinquent right I mean, like, like, like it's how you kind of work your way in kind of thing you know yeah, yeah. the junior league you know yeah. <laughs> would, would, if okay. rick jones was a gangster you know there you go yeah so yeah. if if so they they were they were frequently you know earlier on in, in pinball they were they were found in in taverns as, mm-hmm. as the thing we, we mentioned last time and just I don't know because the, the thought occurred to me do do you know if they were a thing like in pool halls because we're talking about them being associated with vice and you know seediness and all this kind of stuff and I'm wondering you know because of the reputation pool halls have had historically it, do you know of Yes. Okay. I, well, I can say at least there was always a very present connection between pinball and pool, uh, okay. or like billiards, mm-hmm. and in the sense that there are a good many pinball games that are themed on pool. And yeah, actually, okay. some of the best pinball games from the 70s and 80s are all pool-related. So okay. I, I would not be surprised if that was prioritized in order to get them into pool halls, mm-hmm. um, you know, probably in the back corner or something yeah. like that. And yeah, so it was, it was definitely... While you're waiting for a table to open up, you... Put yes. A, put a quarter in the machine. Right. Exactly. So you had, um, there was actually, it's funny, I, I forget, I'm forgetting the name right now. There's one that is almost exactly like you look at the back glass and it's Happy Days, but it's not, it, it's not 
themed after Happy Days. It has some other name. Um, but then there's 8-Ball Deluxe, which was one. There's Rack'em Up, which was another one. There was Pinball Pool, which was Gottlieb Game. So you had like this really strong nexus, I think, between mm-hmm. those two. Um, I think to a lesser extent, there was bowling. Uh, that oh, was as a theme of pinball machine, so I, I could imagine that bowling alleys were probably a place you would okay. also see them occasionally. Sure. Yeah. Um, Baseball would probably be a pretty easy yeah, theme to go. There's 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 a couple in there, yeah, that are yeah. Um, they're quite fun. I, I, actually, the very first game um, that was oh gosh, I'm forgetting the I could look it up, but I think basically the first one that had the LCD scoring back glass uh-huh. uh, where mm-hmm. it had that display uh, was a baseball game. It was uh, the yeah. Chicago Cubs triple play. Uh, which came out, I think, in the early 80s. Wow. Um, and okay. it kind of had an old style to it, but sure. it was, yeah, a modern game. Probably had the organ okay. sound play, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. on a MIDI file or something. Yeah. So you, you mentioned you, you mentioned the back glass, and this, yeah. was, this was a question that occurred to me when we were talking about the, the, the evolution of the physical game Yes. Uh, last time. You, you talked about the, the introduction of electrical elements and um, it intrigued me that lighting up the box itself was not one of the first electrical elements that you described happening. Right. I I would I would assume that you know if you're gonna if you're gonna hook electricity up to the thing, putting putting some lights in the box to illuminate what you're playing would just naturally be something that would that would be one of the one of the first things that you would do. But it but it sounds like that came. Later, well, it's certainly for the back box because the back box came later. Okay. So yeah, so that as a as a means of <clears throat> conveying in, any information was not until someone thought to actually put the scoring up there. So mm-hmm. before the scoring used to be actually on sort of like the same plane mm-hmm. as the rest of the game. So you'd like look down at, at where you were standing and that's where you would see, like on the right. baseball one I described, that's where it would count your outs and your strikes. Right. And mm-hmm. um, there was nothing, there was no display the way you would think of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so as the... Uh, uh, that became more in vogue. Uh, then there was finally a function for the back area, and then of course I think quickly electricity upward. came up. Yeah, right. with that, and so and then of course that progressed from lighting up the score and doing the math to figure out what your score was to having the score real, um, which would vary sort of in style. So some of them had a static zero mm-hmm. that would actually just be like printed on the glass, and then they would have like the four digits afterward to count your score. Right. Some of them had just a, a real that was a zero that would never turn. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them actually it would turn because the games would go by. 1.2 point, 3.3 point. Um, now it's very common for pinball machines to always end in a zero. So like mm-hmm. you, you, you would never have a score that ended in any other digit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, uh, yeah, so I think that was really once the advent of that as the display mm-hmm. came along, then I think quickly they, they added the lighting in there. Before, the lighting would go directly into the game. So if mm-hmm. you had like the bumpers, which were already available, those might be illuminated. You have lighting that right. was sort of along the sides that were illuminating the, the play field. Okay. Uh, I think what we're also seeing there is also that the game becomes, uh, obviously it's recreational, but like prior to the backboard having that kind of function, it's a me in the game thing, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm trying to make money, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, once you get the backboard, uh, back box, uh, and you get the displays up there, it becomes communal. It becomes let's go with our frat buddies and go take turns and stuff like that. And so it clearly is stepping into uh, out of the shadows 
uh, and, and, and it's a into, spectator. It's a spectator. It becomes yeah. partly a spectator sport. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Absolutely. actually, and, and, and community. Yeah, 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 and then also sort of with with that, um, you know, I mentioned how you always see the for amusement only sticker. Mm-hmm. You often in these games, mostly from like maybe the late fifties into the sixties, definitely uh, see a lot where there's additional sort of signage around the back mm-hmm. box or down by the on the apron near the flippers, something along the lines of it's more fun to compete. And you see this real push right. as the like two-player game becomes because a lot of those early games that I described where it's illuminating that was just a one player at a time. Mm-hmm. So you, you it would illuminate and that would be the score for a single person. Um, then when you could put two score reels up, then right. you have the ability to have player one and then player two. Uh, also, the place from which uh, we get one up uh, in video games came from pinball. Oh. So uh, on the back, you, you can see this, if you ever go see an old pinball machine, uh, often they will have one up, two up, three up, four up to indicate which of the four players who have added the credit is up. And that was adopted by uh, essentially... Uh, Mario. Like, yeah, like yeah. Shigeru Miyamoto used that when he was uh, oh, wow. creating the Mario system, um, or I should say the Mario game. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a uh, it's a fun little link there to, to video games. Uh, and so the anyway, just to get back to uh, I wanted to make sure I didn't lose my my trail. But at the so we're talking about the late seventies, mm-hmm. pinball starting to come back. Oh yeah, and then you you mentioned the community. Um, so then we have the real sort of test, I think, in, mm-hmm. in terms of pinball's history uh, and the first sort of serious challenge to pinball that mm-hmm. wasn't state run. Uh, and, in this, <laughs> and in this case, it was didn't wear a badge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so this is this was in the form of video games. And so as video games came along, oh, sorry. I, I want to interrupt you real yeah. quick. So we're talking uh, pinball is legitimized in, on a major way in 1976. Right. 1978, the Fantastic Four end up fighting against a villain named Arcade. Mm. You remember the redheaded guy yeah. who turns everything into a pinball game? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And he tries to kill the Fantastic Four in Murder World. Yeah. And it's this demonic carnival. And of course, he's a fucking redhead, but whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> always. You're not better. Yeah, not at all. Uh, <laughs> not at least. But, but, Salty as hell. <laughs> not um, but uh, it's, it's 1978. Uh, and it's, yeah. I, I think it's its own issue it's not even part of the fantastic four or anything like that, but he becomes a mainstay villain uh against the fantastic four and i think spider-man and i think the avengers as well in the late 1970s I can, see, I can see him being in the spidey books but it's not until after that court case mm-hmm. and it's just before video games and you know historically yeah, uh comics true, yeah. are a little trailing indicator yeah. of culture <laughs> um but i do think it's interesting that you don't see pinball being used in a major plot device mm-hmm. um I, again it's in the background i mean you see yeah. times where you know uh the kids are at the malt shop or something and it's over there you know or johnny storm i'm sure there's something where he, he talks about going to play pinball but uh the actual like centralization of it as a character's motif uh is after the legalization so i just i, I needed to, to pop that in there so yeah, yeah. um video games yeah. yes so i mean i think uh, I, probably we all have at least some familiarity with video games in, in one way or another. And of course, I think uh, that was, in at least with respect to pinball, mm-hmm. it, it was sort of a, a double-edged sword in that it, I think it finally provided a new venue 
Mm-hmm. So suddenly you had arcades that were, I think, a, a place where pinball could coexist with, with video games. But then you also had the sort of preference of the children of America mm-hmm. uh, who were probably wowed by new graphics, probably wowed by the sounds of Pac-Man and mm. uh, Donkey Kong, you know, 80 and 81 are really bringing these really interesting things uh, to bear. And so I think this is the first point where pinball has a bit of like a, an identity crisis of like, how are we going to stay relevant? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it does spark uh, in the 80s, the, uh, one of the sort of pinball renaissances that you might you might talk about um where games started becoming really a lot more sophisticated with um certainly with the inclusion of ramps Mm. uh, with the inclusion of so at at this point we have solid state so we have more sophisticated scoring so we talked about um Mm multi-ball that had been around in some older games but you have a game like there's a game called multi-ball firepower uh where yeah you you had a place to lock three different balls mm-hmm. um, and it had a lot of the sound system that you might find in a, in a video game so you, it was sort of trying to occupy a similar space using mm-hmm. the pinball framework okay. um, and so and, and often you, you'll hear there's actually one particular for all the Williams games of that era there's like one soundboard that they use and so it, all the sounds are very spacey and like lasers and whatnot. Uh-huh. So there's actually a whole string of games, one of which I own, where they almost all have a space theme because oh. they were just reusing the soundboard on all of them. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, it, and I think that Kind of like how rock in the 70s all had that same synthy kind yeah. of yeah, thing. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and you start hearing 808s on everything yeah. in, your, in the early 80s. Yeah. You know, because everybody was playing with the same set of toys. Right. You know. Now you said that there, it's it's having a crisis and and that there's a, a resurgence. Um, or do we have figures on how many people were playing? Because you talked about fifty thousand were made, mm-hmm. um, but how many people were actually playing pinball? I mean, like I said before, it was ubiquitous. It's always in the background. I don't think there's a person I know my age or older that didn't play pinball at some point. But do we have like record of the amount of is, is there I, a way of backtracking that, like, the amount of maintenance that had to be done on these machines? I, I or, imagine there probably yeah. is. I don't know that it was ever well documented. Okay. I think it was, um, I mean, you probably could look at the numbers of the machines. That's probably the right. best metric. Right. Um, because I think that really does track to, like, how popular it is. Sure, how, sure. How, how distributed the the games are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think in, when in this era, mm-hmm. you're probably seeing, yeah, like the, the numbers, the raw numbers of the actual output of mm-hmm. each manufacturer go down, um, even though there was still, I think, a pretty good number of players. So you still had Gottlieb, uh-huh. um, you still had Williams, you saw Bally, you saw mm-hmm. Midway um, also making their own games. Um, but then this is a time of consolidation. Okay. And so I think this, you know, as with many things in the 80s where there were companies acquiring and, and being you know hostile takeovers and whatnot. Sure. I think you finally saw that in the amusement world and certainly for pinball mm-hmm. where you see these different companies start to join together I think to to gain efficiencies or probably yeah. um, survive. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you have Bally and Midway joining together and that's that's why I you was see... about to, I was about to ask about that because mm-hmm. you mentioned Bally and Midway and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. They're Bally yeah. Midway. They're Bally Midway. Exactly. Yeah. So you'll see a, a ton of games that have that branding on it. Um, and then you'll also see uh, I think Williams at one point started doing sort of co-development so they would work on games together and, mm-hmm. and kind of share resources uh, in order to keep keep production up but I think the uh, I'm happy to, to while we're chatting kind of get some of the numbers but I know that 
there was a sharp increase as okay. you move through the 80s and into the early 90s when they're... So as as these games are getting more sophisticated in order to try to stay relevant, uh-huh. um, I think they're you know sort of treading water for, for a time. Sure. Um, but there are still innovations happening, uh, like the DMD. So that's the dot matrix display. And so this is the, the leap forward beyond the LCD that you have just sort of like the alarm clock you were describing in the last episode uh, of those sort mm-hmm. of blocky numbers. Yeah. Um, now you have the ability to sort of represent actual graphics. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So so this is the more like the Adams Family and right. Jurassic Park. Okay. Um, those more mod- kind of what you think about, I think, when a lot of people think of you know, at least people in our peer group probably, mm-hmm. going to an arcade and seeing that kind of pinball machine sure. um, that has um, sometimes even like full animation that they just, you know, in, in newer games, you, they pull wholesale scenes from a movie on the Iron Man game. Right. They actually, it, it doesn't always translate perfectly because it's hard to represent it with just four shades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Which they, is an irony, uh, no pun intended there, but it's an irony considering that... Four color comics. Exactly. Yeah. Well, when it's four shades of the same hue, it's, yeah, kind of, it's a little, little different. bit more different. Yeah. yeah. And you definitely but, saw there were, there were efforts to... So actually, this was a time where um, pinball actually tried to meld with video games for a time. So there's okay. Baby Pac-Man was a pinball game. Uh, that actually had a pinball a table below, and then when you hit it certain shots, it would send you up to a video screen, and you would play Pac-Man. Oh wow! And so you would you would actually be able to play. But I remember seeing. I don't remember where I saw that, but I do remember seeing that. Yeah, it's like Herman Goering yeah. was designing pinball machines. Though. <laughs> yeah, well, he's like it can dive bomb and it can be a fighter. And, it's yeah, like, no, 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 it's no, gonna be shitty at both. No, it yeah. it really yeah it it it. It's good at one and it sucks at the other one. Yeah. yeah. Um, what what I find interesting about this is, in order to compete with video games, it sounds like the spectacle of mm. of the pinball machine became even more of a thing. Yeah, I think you know, so. We, we were talking about which is talked about the community yeah. the community nature of everybody yeah. going down and. You know, having having multiple player features, right. so you can you know compete against your buddies. You're all kind of playing at the same time. Yeah. You know, and it's something that that you know two of you can be playing. And the other guys are talking and watching while it's going on. And now, it's a multi-sensory. I mean, you know, the yeah. the, the the Big Bang, whatever it was that that my my buddy loved playing in the in the MU. Yeah. Was this? I mean, it was highly inappropriate, but it was it was it was this sensory overload kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Another and, another one of the games that we had down there for a while was Black Knight. Oh yeah, Black Knight. Which great. which you know the the number the number of just you know sounds that this thing would make when 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 you score and the and the you know the stentorian voice of the Black Knight coming over the speakers and thunder strikes you know and <laughs> and, and all these sound effects. There, there was a certain aspect of of almost overload, mm-hmm. like like this just sensory, uh, phantasmagorical kind of kind of kind of experience playing the game, um, and, and I, I think that's probably a function also of the competition. If you're in a mm-hmm. arcade. You're sort of competing for what's going to sound keep natural, somebody there. Yeah, natural, natural selection. Yes, you know whoever the loudest bird is is the one that gets to mate. Kind yes, of, kind of thing. Well, the weird thing with that though is that like they're stepping in to compete with something that has every advantage over them. Though video games are video games; they're right. not mechanical in any way. They're not. I mean, they're all computerized. 
you're going to lose that fight when it, in graphics. You're going to lose that fight in, frankly, in playability options mm-hmm. because you kind of only have like your fighting gravity, and you're you know trying to finagle it to not hit somewhere or to go hit somewhere else. Right, right. Whereas in a video game, like oh, I could hit, I could hit little, I could hit medium, or I could hit big, I could hit high, I could hit low. I can be Bart Simpson and I can jump on Principal Skinner, or I could <laughs> like you. You pick the video game, and there's so many more playability options. Even and and here's where it's it's this weird reverse though. Video games have spectacle beat hands down that over over pinball. Pinball has long-term playability beat hands down over video games because most video games at that time are either fighting games or side scrolls or you just keep leveling up yeah they're they're limited in their playability whereas a pinball you can just go and go and go and go on the same quarter because Mm -hmm. by their very nature like you're talking about Mm -hmm. the the very intrinsic nature of video games is binary is, yes. is dealing with machine code, is dealing with somebody actually has to sit down and write the code for, yep. you know, how do you hit Principal Skinner in the head with <laughs> your skateboard? You know, every one of those options has to be thought out, planned, mm-hmm. animated, you know, coded out. Mm-hmm. Whereas the interactions that you can have on... On 1980s on, on, and 1990s computers, by the way. Yeah, yeah. On, on with primitive... 1990s <laughs> graphics. And yeah. 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 And, and you know, with, with all of it being written... Yeah. Because the computing power didn't exist for you to have any part of it be machine generated right. like now. Right. Uh, but, you know, whereas with a, with a pinball machine, there is... And the only adjective I can think of is organic kind of nature to because it's still because it's because it's analog yeah there is a very a built-in level of variability that you can't get with ones and zeros right yeah you know it's and, kind of and so yeah, yeah. I, I think that's 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 a remarkable insight it's is it yeah. is, is where their strengths are yeah is and you yet can, they're trying to compete where they're weakest yeah yeah well yeah and and yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, 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 I think one thing that also sort of played into it is that, um, and, and so I think this was a time where they started kind of throwing everything at a pinball machine in order to figure out, you know, what was going to What's make gonna it stick. sticky. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so we, we were talking about this a little bit between the episodes, but soda, there was... Soda would make it yeah. stick. <laughs> Spilling they soda actually, on top the, of it would the, make it stick. God damn, I didn't even go there in my head. <laughs> like, that was well done. Yeah, well, well that's... Done. that's I, I went elsewhere. Time, I'm not proud of where time. I went. <laughs> I'm not proud of time. where I went. I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> the amount of time my roommate spent playing, playing pinball games in the MU, I, I saw it more than once. Uh, and so, yeah, you would have uh, certainly technical, but then also, I think we were talking a little bit in the break um, about sort of the theming and the mm-hmm. uh, sort of, there was this bent of kind of pinball machines kind of playing to Americanism right. uh, with like putting Reagan on the back glass, making fun of Gorbachev in Taxi. He's, he's like one of the characters you have to collect in order to get the jackpot, <laughs> um, along with Santa Claus, Marilyn Monroe. Dracula. Uh, Dracula and I saw, I saw the picture. You were somewhere <laughs> in, in the, it was in the Oh, yeah, there. very good. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so I think there was this sense of like, okay, you know, and really I think 
there so there had been licensing mm-hmm. um, throughout so there, there you could certainly find games in the pinball history that were themed after Incredible Hulk or sure. Close Superman. Encounters the Third Kind yeah exactly Superman's yeah. great game um, Space Invaders there actually was a pinball machine made mm-hmm. uh, which has a great backlash that has a sort of infinite mirror effect okay um, so there there was a but I think there it was pretty still in a mode of coming up with an original theme. Most of the time, and and a lot there's a lot of love for a lot of those games from especially the late '80s mm-hmm. um, that were developed by some of like Pat Lawler is just one of these designers who has a very distinct pinball style. He has, okay. he always has this upper flipper that hits to an upper ramp, um, and so and he actually he just recently made a new game. Hmm. Um, sorry, you were you were going to say well, I just you you mentioned the upper flipper up to an upper kind of I've I've seen I. That that immediately made me think of machines that I've actually played. Yeah, you know, in that passing, I'm a I'm a filthy casual, kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of way. But yeah, that 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 so so designers have signatures. I, yes, well, certainly there's a uh, j- yeah to talk about the designers tendencies. Uh, there yeah. are yeah certain. I guess uh, you would find... Well, I guess to a certain extent, all pinball has a certain similarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are certain trends, like a, when multiball was introduced and as it became standardized across a lot of games, the shot to lock a ball often became green. So like on a lot of games, you'll find that, that the green shot is the one where you'll put the ball away and then eventually you do it three times, you'll right. get your multiball. Of course, it varies with mm-hmm. certain machines. But uh, yeah, there's certain trends that show up. And then you see certain trends in the sort of physical layout. So yeah, the side flipper that's up on the machine that you have to use to hit, that become that's on the most widely produced machine, Adam's Family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that is, yeah, you start to see these trends and certain designers kind of gravitate to certain uh, designs that way. Sure. There's, okay. um, and even f- to the design, so there's, uh, there's one designer uh, who's sort of like a firebrand in pinball for things he's done and said, but he, he always embedded the display within the game rather than having it on the back box. Uh-huh. He, had, he had one, one called Cirque Voltaire, mm-hmm. um, where the game is actually, the, the display is right on the back of all of the stuff on the play field. Mm-hmm. And he had another game they made later on that also implemented that. So you kind of see wow. this sort of uh, design elements go into to people's thoughts. But of course, the sort of most notable person is Steve Ritchie, uh, who is the voice of Finish Him in Mortal Kombat. Oh, um, really? Yes. Uh, and so Which he, is a midway video game. Exactly, yes. yeah. And so he, he is the uh, creator of what a, a lot of people refer to and himself called Flow. So pinball machines that have this ability to just like if you as long as you're hitting shot after shot, you almost get into this like flow state of the ball just constantly traveling from one shot to the next shot, and there's always like a path for it to to go. Um, and so his one of his games is um, the Getaway, or rather it's called High Speed. That was the original one, and they mm-hmm. had High Speed Two, the Getaway, uh, which actually was the exact same playfield, but with modern pinball technology sort of upgraded in the okay. game. Um, so anyway, yeah. Uh, so, but I think in in terms of certainly where I come in as like mm-hmm. a child in pinball, and I think this is maybe sort of indicative of the way the culture was moving a little bit. There, there did become this sort of like the blockbuster. I think became a little bit more prominent, and and maybe that's my sort of bias from my time as you a, mean like as, licensed after the movie, right? So the, I yeah, think this I remember is, Twister. 
Yeah, Twister. Yeah. Twister came along, and and certainly I think you know ninety two. You get uh, finally the like a uh, they. Well, it's gonna be Jurassic Park at that point, right? Well, actually, uh, that was ninety three. Okay. Um, and then I was gonna say ninety two was the day these Star Wars game. Oh. Okay. There was an Empire Strikes Back machine that came out before, mm-hmm. um, but I don't. It's that one's sort of like less notable in sure. the sort of pinball history. Um, but you finally get a lot of these big ones. You get Jurassic Park, um, and you have the the sort of uh, build up again of a lot of the original themes. And mm-hmm. so there's Medieval Madness that was actually one of the most highly rated games ever. It's still sort of... Uh, they actually, there's a company that, again, licensed to make that game uh, brand oh. new because it's cool. just so popular. Um, mm-hmm. And so people love it. Uh, you get Monster Bash, which is license of the Universal Monsters, so the Frankenstein's monster and oh, okay. Bride of Frankenstein and all that, uh, the mummy. And then, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's when... I think there becomes this, uh, yeah, like the blockbuster becomes the motivator for pinball in a lot of ways. It, to the point where today, there's almost no pinball that is an original theme, at least from a major manufacturer. Um, really? There is, so Stern Pinball, which is actually mm-hmm. the, so uh, Data East was started by Gary Stern with money from Data East Japan. Um, Gary Stern being the son of, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his first name, but... Um, the founder of Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was, uh, anyway, this this move toward just licensing because I think that became the more sort of profitable way to make something. If you had something that had mm-hmm. built an audience, um, then I think that became yeah. the preference. So really in the past, there have been smaller manufacturers now that kind of build their own original themes, but they are becoming sort of few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, it is certainly the exception, not the rule. Right. Um, but yeah, so the, I think it's a, but this is really another high point. The nineties become a really high point for pinball where suddenly I think the games are sophisticated, mm-hmm. they're accessible, um, they're being m- m- widely made. So like Adam's family had 20,000 machines, which is very high. Wow. Um, uh, and certainly not for the older machine, like Baffle Ball, I said it was 50,000, but I think that was a, was sort of a much, you know, more niche, or or this is a much more niche but still popular item. I think right. Baffle Ball was so simple at the time that you probably could make a bunch, uh, and I'm sure. That and it was also the only show in town, right. whereas Adam's Family is one is of competing against dozens, yes, a whole bunch yeah. of other other games, yes, and you still in, have in that same sphere, yeah. right? And you still have a lot of the players like so Williams is still around. You have mm-hmm. Valley Midway, you have um, Gottlieb, but Gottlieb is now premier and not making nearly as high quality machines as okay. maybe they once were. Um, that's that's my opinion. I'm editorializing, but then um, yeah, and then there's a. Uh, yeah, really great. I think I think generally pinball players in this day and age mm-hmm. have a very strong affection for that run in the '90s, so like from the, the Adams families and the Indiana Jones pinball adventure. And is it because um, you were kids at that time? I mean, I think there's a bit of that bias. Okay. Yeah, I think I think so. I think there. I think it also did. There was a certain like standardization of the experience. I think there there mm-hmm. might have been like enough variability between games before that. You know, there it might not have always appealed to the broader sure. uh, population, and then finally you have like an Independence Day machine, and it's like just as good as the other machines, at least to the untrained eye, maybe. I remember so, the Independence Day machine too. Yeah, it's uh, and and you have. I, I think it's just you know a good time, sure. and finally I think 
but there was sort of I think the writing on the wall toward the late 90s mm-hmm. and um, basically that's when the pinball the major pinball manufacturers start going out of the business so in 96 um, there's the exit of Bally Midway so you have a pinball. glut you have a glut in the early 90s mm-hmm. and then they go out in the late 90s yeah there's a lot of things that are doing that at that same time I'm remembering you, you remember mm-hmm. uh, well I I Wrestling oh, nearly went out. There of you go. You, you <laughs> Wrestling does that hugely. Like you have this this explosion, and then uh, by the mid '90s, they're almost drying up and desiccating, and then it comes back in a major way. Yeah, because you have the Monday Night Wars. But I'm also thinking in terms of comic books. Yeah, the mid '90s is when you start seeing all the licensing happening. The first round of licensing happening because they're trying to save Marvel and DC. Hmm. Um, you also start to see Superman getting killed, Iron Man dying. Uh, everybody dies for a little bit to just oh please to be interested in us. Yeah. yeah, and and so you have. I'm trying like, to remember when Robin got killed. Uh, Jason Todd. Yeah. Uh, ooh, ooh, that would have been the late eighties, early nineties. Late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, because um, one of my favorite lines was. I, I don't know if you know there are multiple Robins. Uh, one of which was Jason Todd, and you could vote. In the back of the comic book, as to whether or not he dies. Wow! And really? yeah, yeah and actually... more people voted to kill him than not. <laughs> and it's just—it's a really dark chapter. And it's Joker beats him to death with a crow, nearly to death with a crowbar, and then he leaves a bomb on him. But he has this wonderful line of "This is going to hurt you a lot more than it's going to hurt me." <laughs> and it's just like, oh, Joker is not a fun-loving guy. Yeah, and it's just, not. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we're mm-hmm. talking about mid mid to late nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, TSR, mm-hmm. Uh, terribly shitty rules. Uh, as somebody who loves, hey. as somebody who loves Dungeons and Dragons, yes. and, and has and has, the Marvel game up until he became a dad was it a very long running first edition AD and D campaign with the orange spine books and the whole nine yards. Wow, I, I can I can get away with using that nickname for the company. Because, yeah, yeah. Because as much as he is sainted by the community, Gary Gygax had some really weird ideas. Um, but uh, TSR goes T- out. TSR goes out. Yeah, and it's it's then in in the nineties they get they get bought. Yeah. Uh, by uh, Wizards Wizards of the Coast. Uh, which then spins off Pezo Publishing, which right. then winds up. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's it's. But you, you're seeing the death of a lot of artistic uh, things, and a lot of a lot of a lot of pop cultural mainstays. Yeah, are somehow go through this period where they're all trying to find their way, and they're all struggling. Dying off. Interesting, and, and I don't know that this is anything other than correlative, but uh, conservative talk radio shoots up in the mid-90s. Yeah, well, I, I think my, my own kind of knee-jerk hot take on mm-hmm. it is that's also when you have you, you get to the point where you literally have 500 channels and nothing's on on TV. It's true. You don't have I, TV Guide anymore. You, you have the TV Guide channel. Yeah, and, and so there's, there's just so much out there mm-hmm. that... I, I think we collectively as a culture mm-hmm. went through a period where there was all of this stuff going on and we were so spoiled for choice that we just kind of sat there metaphorically in front of the TV clicking through channels, Maybe. not really being able to settle on anything. I think that that could have been... That could be, or it could be that the market shifted and, and businesses are always a little behind the market. 
they don't know True. how to capitalize on it. Yeah. And so, yes, now we have all these options. Yeah. And I, we're consuming just as much, if not more, but now it's not going to the same seven. Yeah. Uh, and then what happens is in the late 90s, also the internet. Yeah. You've got the internet starting up, right? And and, the, and I don't know what you paid for internet in the <laughs> late 90s. I paid eight ninety nine a month for the internet <laughs> in the late 90s. And I was, and that was, you know, pretty premium and pricing, late, right? Late nineties, my internet connection. Yes. Yeah. Well, I graduated. Well, depending on what we call late nineties, I, I was in college. So yeah, mid to late nineties. I didn't, 90s, I didn't pay for it. State of California paid for it. Right, but, but mid yeah. to late nineties, you know, yeah. it was. It, and there were you could open the phone book. I remember when I moved up here, I opened the white pages. They still existed. Um, and I looked. You under, still had a phone on the wall. Yeah, I looked under internet service provider. And there were 30 listings in the Sacramento area alone. Mm -hmm. Now there's, I literally only have one choice where I live. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) And and now it costs me $90. In our apartment complex, we we only have the one. Right. So I'm just, I'm just thinking about this is like, it's, it, it diffuses is what happens is everything's diffusing in, in the nineties. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm also thinking what's happening politically and there is a long Peace at the top of of the the food chain in terms of geopolitical stuff, mm. um, but then there's also an internal devouring that's happening in both countries of the Cold War. Yeah, um, and I'm also just thinking culturally, you're getting into monoculture um, with friends, um, and we haven't had that episode yet. <laughs> no, we haven't. Really, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I do too. Uh, but uh, you're getting into that. You're getting into anti-hero stuff. You're getting into a lot of things. So I'm wondering what's happening. Uh, that suddenly they go from blockbuster. There's your monoculture, maybe, to suddenly nothing. And that sounds a little bit more like the diffusion. I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm spitballing on pinballing. But yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the only thought I was, I've had, and this is just my own speculation, is yeah. that at least for the, the sort of the youth, mm-hmm. um, the access to entertainment that was sort of tickling that same bone mm-hmm. became very much easier at home. I mean, and yeah. of course, Console you had games pricing yeah. came way down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and that's and and I think that's 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 what killed the video arcade. Right. Mm-hmm. As as somebody who in high school would go to the nickel arcade. On a on a Saturday mm-hmm. and blow through 20, <laughs> 20 bucks twenty five bucks yeah you know, in in video games you know there right and then going to college coming back two years later and all of the arcades had dried up and blown away mm-hmm. Blockbuster got its start right around then too yeah yeah so and they would rent things out yeah. yeah but you were saying yeah no I, I just think that and of course you know consoles had been around you know since the 80s but I think there was I think at least some kind of critical mass where yeah. where they finally you know did have the penetration and they had sort of the, the attention yeah such that they really did have this impact on the communal places where people used to go yeah um, of course now I think uh, and we can we can talk about this as sort of now that sort of modern era mm-hmm. you know pinball really does kind of die mm-hmm. um, you know it just in in a very comic book way uh, in 1989 where there's like one last chance to try to save pinball for um, oh, wow. for uh, I guess Bally Williams is at that point or I think it was actually just Williams but they make pinball 2000 which was a 
sort of prototype game. I mean, they made two. So mm-hmm. it was uh, Revenge from Mars, which was a sequel to an earlier pinball game, Attack from Mars, also one of the most like beloved games in the pinball community now. Uh, and then also Star Wars Episode One. Uh, and, oh. and so, oh. see why I died. Yeah, oh, <laughs> so, there were these two games, and, and basically there was a tube television mounted in the back box, which sat wow. sort of over the pin, the playfield, which displayed uh, backwards onto mm-hmm. the playfield, and that reflected uh, correctly yeah. to the player, so that it looked like there were graphics embedded on the ramps and wow. on on the shots there. And so it was a, it was an interesting attempt to try to really modernize pinball in like a way you know try to make it more immersive mm-hmm. um it, it just was too late at that point for, for still aimed at spectacle too yes yeah mm-hmm. so it was it was really so at that point you have essentially one player left and that is stern pinball mm-hmm. and stern pinball is basically sega pinball which was data east pinball um it had gone through these multiple iterations and, and eventually sega just sold the the rest of the company over to uh, Stern Pinball mm-hmm. uh, to go forth and do whatever they they did. So this was basically a period of you know roughly ten years mm-hmm. um, from uh, like two thousand until maybe like the late aughts, mm-hmm. where there was really only one game in town. There was Stern Pinball, and so they were continuing to make games, um, and they made some unlicensed, some licensed um, as they could go along. But really, it was. You know, they. This is actually kind of like a, a low point for a lot of pinball players in terms of what how they feel about the games. Like a lot of these games, you know, they just weren't quite as interesting. They didn't mm-hmm. maybe have the rule set that they were looking for. Um, it felt a little perfunctory, I think, to some okay. people. Uh, I mean, some of those games are still very fun, sure. but I think there was this sense that there, because there was no competition, mm-hmm. um, there wasn't really any need to. To push. be creative or or try to come up with something. It's the same exact criticism yeah. of wrestling. Interesting. At the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So so it was really that that was sort of the, the main situation for a while. Um, and then there is finally sort of this spark, I think, when the aughts turn into the teens. And we finally get at least some competition mm-hmm. uh, with a new player uh, named Jersey Jack. So Jersey Jack uh, uh, is uh, the nickname of Jack Guarini. Uh, this guy who's in New Jersey. And he is makes the Wizard of Oz pinball machine in 2013. Okay. And so the reason that is notable, uh, and I'm, I'm sure I've skipped over at least some, some details, yeah. but mm-hmm. this was definitely a amazing sort of entry into pinball where there was just nothing prior. Uh, this is a game where the entire back box at this point had an LCD screen, which mm-hmm. was showing full animation of of the movie of, of mm-hmm. all of these graphics all of these interesting sort of you know little tidbits the sound was amazing the colors were all uh in every single light on the playfield is uh multicolored, so it can oh, okay. uh, be different colors and different themes throughout the whole thing um and they they really i think put forth something that was actually a colorable competition to stern who at the time was really kind of playing playing by themselves at, the, at sure. this point. And so I think that it was a moment where finally pinball started to come back to life in a, in a way that, I mean, now we are really at one of uh, the high point again mm-hmm. of pinball having Stern, 
uh, Jersey Jack. There's another company called Spooky. Uh, there's two other new companies that are starting to produce their own machines. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing this really, and I think it's also motivated by sort of the maker community. Yeah, where, I was going to say, like, it, it's, it's you know, it used to be there were these long-standing companies that got their start when it first started, and they were just grandfathered in. And now you're saying there's five players on the field all of a sudden in less than a decade. And I was, you know, I was going to, I was thinking it's, yeah, it's, we're talking, we're talking startups. Why did they choose uh, Wizard of Oz? It's not, it's not public domain yet. Right. Um, I think there's, I, I actually don't know if there was a particular, you know, thought as to, I mean, it hadn't been used prior. So, oh, like, so just no, novelty right there. Yeah, I, I yeah. think, I think that's one. I mean, certainly something where uh, there's a lot of elements that lend itself to a good pinball machine. So you sure. have. Uh, there's a little upper play field where you have the house in the tornado and oh. it spins around. You have each of the pop bumpers are one of the trees uh-huh. and, they, and um, there's the crystal ball that you have to hit at certain times in order sure. to activate certain modes. If bad um, things happen, you could see monkeys fly or yeah. I'll get you my pretty. Well, yeah. And, yeah. and also there is a shot where um, you put it into the shot. The monkey comes down, grabs the ball and takes it up to the tower. Oh, neat. Uh, fantastic. And so really like... That was a, at least I think at the time, and, sure. and this is this is around when I think uh, it's finally breaking through such that like I'm a, aware of it two years later, mm-hmm. or I guess a, a year and a half later, um, where, yeah, like there's they're just, again, throwing everything into the game and trying to make sure. something that is a spectacle. Um, and But and, this time the spectacle is not like we're going to beat you graphic for graphic. It's the spectacle is how the game operates yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know you talk about the maker community. Yeah, and I think that's that's an interesting note. But something occurs to me talking about the the nature of the zit guys. You know, kind of shifting. Mm-hmm. That you know in the nineties it was it was one way. It, do you think there is something generationally kind of going on with? You know, in in the '90s, talking about you know video games at home and being able to get all of our easily get all of our entertainment at home through, you know, cable and whatever. All do you think there's like that th- this is part of a bigger movement toward uh, like millennials and and folks of of that generation now looking for a way to get out and form face-to-face kind of communities because of the way that so much of everything else we're doing is across computer screens. And I think so. I mean, I think, I think that's certainly like the optimist reading of the situation okay. because it's... It, no, that's me. Yeah, no, well, I, but I think it's, I think there's something to it because it really, I mean, this, the sort of rise of pinball and now like there's pinball leagues in so many places and there's not, now a real drive for inclusion in pinball and there's mm-hmm. um, actually one of the founders of a group called Bells and Chimes, her name's Eka. She is out in Oakland, started this group for uh, female-identified pinball players, and now it's like got chapters all over the world. Uh, and Just it's out of re- curiosity, do they spell bells, B-E-L-L-E-S? In- indeed they do. Okay. <laughs> I, I appreciate it's, that. It's, like it's that. perfect. And yeah, so I think there there is this sense of uh, this, we, we have this, it mm-hmm. is a place for people to congregate, mm-hmm. it is a place for people to like compete but in like a sort of like low stakes way mm-hmm. um of course it's kind of increasingly becoming high stakes as like now there's betting on pinball so they're they're actually the most recent <laughs> they're the most recent <laughs> tournaments um from the ifa there have been like i think it's called mybookie.com has yeah. been yeah. setting odds 
for oh finishing places of like the top ranked players in each of these tournaments. Oh wow! Which I just find fascinating. I'm gonna go um, put money on you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Q well, yeah, Before dude. there was there was no way to do it. Now right. you have like you can you can use. Well, your yeah. Now that there's an yeah. app, yeah. there's an app for that. <laughs> yeah. Like with everything. Yeah. Well, and, and that's that's interesting too because now you have the combination of isolation. This is an entirely private thing. I'm the only one that has access to this. I'm holding up my phone, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I can I can privately interact with a community that is you are live Twitch streaming it uh, from another place so that I can be involved. But there are lots of bodies there. There are lots of people there, um, and yeah, like you said, uh, there's this desire, there's this need to get out and congregate again because we spent so long in Plato's cave. Uh, yeah. We found really cool fire. We really yeah, did. We found a really amazing fire. Yeah, and now we're we're kind of because I remember but, I got to the point with video games where I was just like, yeah, I'm kind of I don't want to finish this one. I don't care. And yeah. and I've I've stopped playing as much uh, that kind of stuff. And I use it mostly as a vehicle to talk to my friend. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, now more people are wanting to get out. And there's still a nostalgia factor with pinball. And I wonder also if that's not one of the pulls of Wizard of Oz but, there was everybody's seen it. Yeah, everybody knows it's, it's it can a part identify of everybody's it. childhood. Yeah. I you know, and, and at the very beginning of the last episode when, when mm-hmm. you talked when you, you mentioned the Renaissance, you know, part of what I, I wondered and, and this is now a question for you, mm-hmm. is at league nights, at these get togethers how how like demographically age wise mm-hmm. how how much of the uh, community is like mid thirties as opposed to and and this is because this this is me as a late gen Xer I'm wondering for for us yeah how how much nostalgia is driving it, it or or how many of us are being driven by nostalgia into this community on a, on an earlier level than than you know folks your age. I, I think there's. I'm trying to think about. It. I think probably the like in terms of yeah the numbers of the 86 people. The I would say you know close to like 30 to 40 percent are in yeah like my age like 30s. Okay. Uh, I think there's probably maybe like 20 to 25% that are like toward maybe like late Gen X. And okay. like there's, we did have one person who was, and actually we have, we do have a few folks who are like, I think maybe in their sixties. Okay. Um, yeah. But they're, they're and, standouts. They're not. Yes. Yeah. yeah they're not they're the cer- norm. Cer- certainly exceptions to the yeah. rule. And so I think there is, yeah, like that, the breakdown is there. I'm, I'm trying to think of, there are some folks who are maybe like, mid 20s um okay. i think that's a little less common though but okay. it's it is sort of interesting because we i do see it, like when i go out to the tournaments and whatnot there is it is like incrementally growing and it is a lot of the growth is coming from people who are younger than me okay. um well, that's so, always good for any 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 culture, industry any, <laughs> yeah yeah and so so it's it's very cool and even like i mean uh, of course i know some of these sort of stand out very young people like one of the one of the players his name is nick uh recently won two large tournaments in the bay area um including the one i was talking about earlier mm-hmm. um he's i think he's 20 he's actually in davis um fantastic player and yeah so he's part of the actually there is sort of this vanguard of young pinball players right now there's um one who is actually i think the reigning world champion 
uh, <laughs> or actually, it, it might have been a few years ago now. Um, but uh, yeah, there's the he. I think at the time when he won, he was 13. Uh, so yeah, like there wow. is at least some interest from the younger Holy generations cow. in doing it, and uh-huh. I, and I think as it becomes more, I mean, I know for like the young people in my life that I know, like my nephew, uh, like Fortnite be, being like a big right. sort of cultural Huge. touchstone for him, Huge. and and really the you know every game now is like focused around the online multiplayer aspect. I think as pinball becomes more present, and mm-hmm. there's certainly people who are agitating for it to be. Uh, I mean, it's going to be on ESPN shortly. Oh, uh, yeah, the, nice. the Ocho will have a pinball. <laughs> I mean, truly, they, they do like that sort of promotional thing. Uh-huh. Uh, they're going to do a fully produced uh, show about the most recent circuit finals that were in Chicago oh, um, nice. on ESPN. Very cool. and, and so, yeah, I think as that becomes more present and more sort of online, mm-hmm. um, there is going to be, I think, an easier way for younger people to get in. And so I'm hoping that this sticks. I, th- sure. I think this is a revival for pinball that feels like it's sustainable mm-hmm. in a way that maybe before it was sort of the, it was just the vicissitudes of like the market. And now right. it's like, no, we're not, we're not doing anything to excess or anything. It's like, we're trying to... Y'all are staking a culture. Yes. Yeah. 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 So when was the last time you saw, like, you know the history of this stuff. When was the last era that pinball was this kind of big? Or, or at least a, a shade of this kind of big? I mean, I really do think it was, it was probably the, the mid nineties. Cause that, that was really okay. the advent of competition pinball. At least sure. the, it's first more sort of organized self. Mm-hmm. Um, I think before that, there were probably competitions that were one-offs. Right. Um, you know, very casual, maybe. Mm-hmm. This is where, uh, like the first Pinberg, I believe that was in like the late 90s. Um, so so pinball previous to the, to the 90s was always much more just recreational, something to do while you're waiting on this. And then you got the 90s and there's competition and it's serious. But even that was magnitudes lesser than what we're seeing now yeah i think so So this is a fairly unique thing then i think so culturally yeah we're kind of seeing the real first critical mass of it whereas like with baseball there were waves Mm -hmm. you know there there were absolutely waves with wrestling there were waves with gaming there have been waves but like with pinball football with football there were waves and 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 basketball most as well. The recent one yeah. is dying out, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, but with pinball, like this is the first time it really, you know, it's not like there weren't burps and sputters along the way, right? But this is it's really finally declaring itself. Yeah, I, th- I think so, and it, that's and something. It, it it is cool to be involved, and it's still small enough that you still know everyone. So it's like I, I it's nice to go that's, to tournaments. That's the perfect phase to get involved in it. In. <laughs> yes, I, yeah. I, I gotta say. As as somebody who was born in the phase of history that I was, I'm envious of you <laughs> for this interest because that's that's amazing to yeah. be able to be part of something in that in that phase of its growth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just even just to give you this stat. So uh, mm-hmm. when I joined the league and I finally got my first world ranking points, um, that's when I got my league my IFPA number. Mm-hmm. I was thirty three oh four eight, so thirty thirty three thousandth player basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they just passed seventy thousand. And that wow. so that was from nice. 2015 to now 2019. So like I, that feels like a pretty significant 
number, yeah. like basically doubling I, in that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the population of Davis, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think. Maybe and, a little bit less. I got I to gotta check the census data. <laughs> that's still. Um, yeah. And I, at least the, the, the only other thought I was going to share was, you know, in terms of millennials congregating Mm -hmm. you know it is sort of to me it it is feels like the natural joining of okay it's legal for you to drink now and you (laughs) and you still and you still have this like nostalgia like sort of childness Mm -hmm. i mean i i I say that trying to be as least pejorative to my own group because i i love millennials and so i i think there is though this uh feeling like there there is an okay it's okay to kind of be have fun and, yeah, and, and that's something you guys have down that my generation is like kind of jealous of. Yeah, but yeah, you guys have actually figured out like, oh, work hard and then die, kind of stupid. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, let's we, we 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 well, here's the deal. Gen, Gen X figured out that work hard and die is kind of stupid, but, but we're we stuck. We couldn't figure out an alternative. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, uh, all our favorite shit kept dying in the I, '90s. Yeah, like so. dude, come on, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, yeah. But, that's great. Yeah, that's so I, amazing. So anyway, that's I, I hope that was a, uh, a fun and interesting history of, of pinball. I think we touched yeah. on a, almost everything, I, and I'm I'm pretty sure I didn't say anything totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as far as as far as we know, yeah, that, everything was gospel truth. 100%, so yeah. you know, yeah, um, no, I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna make sure I have some pinball people listen to this. So uh, oh hell yeah, yeah, send yeah, you yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah, most surely. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's uh, I'm, I'm we can have another episode where we address it there you go yeah yeah perfect so thank you Derek, for for being a part of this ed what's your takeaway um i'm i'm really inspired i gotta say in a a way i didn't expect to be Mm -hmm. um you know kind of finding out that that this is this this whimsy that is resurgent that is that is growing uh, you know, with with you know new people getting involved in the industry, where there's actually you know the the trend in our society is everything moving toward monopoly. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Disney has now bought 20th Century Fox. You know, Mickey only needs one more stone before he controls the <laughs> Infinity Gauntlet completely. You know, and yeah. and finding out that there is some aspect of our of, of popular culture. That that is actually experiencing uh, growth and and kind of a grassroots kind of expansion. There's a layer of joy here that I don't see with Disney buying shit up. You yeah, know no, what I mean? no, because how <laughs> yeah. could you? Right. You know, uh, well, because the X Men, but well, still, but still, yeah, you're, I mean, you're I mean, right. That's 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 one bright note in an otherwise you know dark thundercloud. Yeah, of like <laughs> oh my god, in another ten years. That's going to be, you know, Big Brother will have mouse ears. Uh, you know, that's the Gen X talking right there. That's that right there, right there. That's how you can peg me. I'm at. But, uh, you know, but but finding out that that there is this this thing that is that is bright and joyful, literally bright. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and joyful and and gaudy in the classic sense of gaudy. You know, gaudy taken from the Latin gaude, mm-hmm. joy means joy. Yeah, um, and and that it's experiencing this kind of growth, and that and that that growth is built around 
leagues and community and people wanting to get together and have this experience in in the real world you know in the same physical space together um you know when when so much that we hear everybody lamenting about our culture is everybody having their face buried in their phones Mm -hmm. and you know what i'm seeing too often like even with my students who are really young is you know the the ways they're able to be horrible to each other over social media Mm -hmm. and and all that kind of stuff in the middle of all that this is a wonderful bright spot that i'm 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 gonna carry a happy over that so thank you very much for that that means a lot damien what how about you yeah um so my takeaway i just realized uh there was a huge movement to get working people who had children and families um out of the house in the 50s and it was bowling and it was there's this weird corridor that essentially runs through Cincinnati, interestingly enough, that in, that huge bowling leagues, enormous, in the 50s. And bowling leagues were a big, big thing. And so was bar culture, going to bars. And this is kind of combining both of those things, but in a much, and, and bless the millennials for this, in a much more joyful way. Like, uh, it's, it's not scotch-induced. Um, it's not <laughs> the, 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 the alcohol is a lubricant, not the fuel. Yeah. Right. You know, it's not, you know. It, it's not, you know, three packs of cigarettes a day. You know, it's not a, I'm winding down so I, you know, so I can handle the pressures of everything. It's, it seems to be, and I might be wrong. Maybe I'm projecting my hopes, but it seems to be, no, y'all are doing this cause you want to, cause you enjoy it. Not because there's this need to, not go home yet not because there's this need to um self-medicate and and you know you had this this in the 50s you had the advent of the nuclear family prior to that you didn't have that you had multi-generations living in the same space now you have this advent of the nuclear family and the sense of isolation and you have you know and then you had these ways of addressing that isolation this doesn't feel like it's born of that this feels like it's born of a desire to enjoy, not a desire to avoid isolation. It's and it's, it. it's it's not a coping mechanism. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have the feeling of a coping mechanism. Yeah, you know, and and you you talk about the nuclear family in the fifties. Mm-hmm. I I want to I want to point out sympathetically to to our our millennial brethren and sistren. <laughs> that an awful lot of them are finding themselves not living in a nuclear family anymore. They're mm-hmm. living, they're, they're stuck financially in situations where they're living still with their parents in, yeah. in their into their 30s. And they're having to find alternative living arrangements where there are, you know, friends, multiple groups of friends sharing the rent on a house yeah. and forming their own families. Yeah. And so in a way, we almost see... A cult, a moving our culture moving back in a direction away from what we saw with Levittown, yeah, and and the nuclear family in the fifties. I mean, fueled by reasons that we wish were happier than they are, you <laughs> mm-hmm. know. Uh, but but the outgrowth of that, mm-hmm. I think, is is that that this is is more like like you're saying is at least our perception is a couple of you know salty. Gen X <laughs> is that it's that it's more that it's more joyful and, and less of a, of a oh my god I got to do something and I'm going to go mad mm-hmm. 
kind of thing. When you guys compete in your tournaments, um, is there kind of schadenfreude when someone does poorly? Or is it you kind of cheering each other on all the time? I mean, I think it it's somewhat... False situational, but. but I think you know because there's certainly times I can I can certainly be honest and say like mm-hmm. there's times where you know like when I was just barely scraping by to get to the yeah. next round like of course you know maybe you want to do maybe don't have a super great have a great ball but just not as great as mine right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, I think that oh that's a but, shame but 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 but, <laughs> but really no. I gotta say I really I mean as much as I I mean in so many ways it is an individual sport because. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you in the game. You're not, you're not sure. worrying about somebody else doing something while you're playing, uh, barring somebody like bumping into you from the next machine. Uh, but it's, I think for the most part, like I, I see people be very positive, like nice. and, and and like really, there is a as much as there might be a disappointment that you didn't win, mm-hmm. there is a certain satisfaction of like, oh, like I'm glad that you did well. Like there's nobody right. in the league that I can think of who's like. You know, you they do well, and people are like scouting. There's no Cobra Kai for I, yeah, <laughs> really, yeah. They, and, and even actually, one thing that was sort of interesting, uh, I did have sort of a spat recently with with some folks. So there's a second league that's a team league mm-hmm. uh, where we have like you know you form your own pinball gang, and then mm-hmm. you, we have a whole schedule, and you go go to people's <laughs> dojos and you fight them, and uh, and it's great. Uh, we I, really fun, but we we put in certain restrictions in order to try to make the league have some kind of parity. Uh-huh. Uh, basically like a salary cap, uh, sure. but based off of the rankings. And so this this season, we, we introduced uh, not only the rankings, but the ratings, which are calculated from this other source that okay. logs up a ton of pinball uh, information. And so we had one team that was very upset because it broke up their team because even though those players didn't play in a lot of tournaments, they were very good. And so their rankings were very low, but they were unrestricted players. But now with the new information, they suddenly became restricted. And it was a bit of a shock to them. Um I, I thought we had socialized it well enough. So mm-hmm. I, and especially the commissioner of the league thought he did so as well. And so this person did express their distaste on the Slack server that we we have for the pinball community, and it turned into like you know pretty heated discussion on Slack. But then when it came to in person, I mean, I had to see this person at pinball tournament the next day. Mm-hmm. I went right up to him and I was like, "Hey," I just like I shook his hand. And I was like, "Hey, man, like we're all we're all trying to have a good time," and and you know we had like a very serious but adult interaction that i feel like was born out like i don't know that i would feel the ability to be at or the obligation to be Mm -hmm. as direct Mm -hmm. if i didn't have like a physical space where i had to be with that person like it was i mean Mm -hmm. maybe that's not maybe that's not you know so unique to pinball but to me, it did feel like... I couldn't like... see that kind of maturity in a, in a Magic the Gathering tournament. <laughs> yeah. No, you wouldn't. Right. You'd know. So I no, think you've got something be, there. There'd be the flinging of, of all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I'll say cards, but a yeah. lot of other stuff. Brown decks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, sorry, I, I didn't mean to... No, no, I, I was just going to uh, say, I, I think there is... Yeah, like, it, on the whole, mm-hmm. it, it is a community where people are... They're looking forward to other people doing well in their game, like nice. as, as as much as it might pain them in certain instances where they lose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's. Well, I I think I you know the the thing that I think of is I think everybody in your community probably has the ability to appreciate seeing somebody playing well. Mm-hmm. That that there's that there's something to like, you know, if you're watching somebody, like my father for a very long time played golf. He can't anymore because his blood pressure gets too high. But 
Uh, but you know, if, if, if you're watching somebody else play and just having an amazing game, yeah, there's a certain amount of just seeing the artfulness of that. Yeah. That, that, you know, I mean, out, outside of, you know, it being somebody you got to work with and you know, the guy's an asshole, and you just, <laughs> you know, but, but there's, there's the beauty of, of seeing everything clicking along that flow state, that, you that, that flow about. state, you know, uh, or, or, you know, whatever, like it. Uh, that I that I think also would would uh, kind of kind of move in that direction toward yeah. toward it being easier to be happy for other people doing well. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think I think it, it, in my experience. I mean, certainly, you know, I'm I'm always trying to improve as a player. So mm-hmm. just watching to learn is one one element. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, especially uh, I can think of several times where somebody was just putting up a giant ball too, and and. You know, even though I knew I was going to be on the short end of the stick because my score was not nearly that, it was cool exciting. Right? I, I actually really was like watching with bated breath. It was like, are they going to get to this mode? Are they going to get to that? Like, right. what are they going to do next? Um, so yeah, I, I, I could, I think there's a little bit of that. Cool. Okay. Uh, Ed, what you reading lately? Uh, Fahrenheit 451. Oh. Um, as as so part of my joy. as part of my job. <laughs> You know, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually really enjoying it, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm actually finding a lot of meaning in Montag's arc. Okay. And in, in Montag's development, um, and part of that is because of what I've got going on at work while I'm teaching the book. And life uh, imitates art. Yeah, and 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 I know I'm projecting onto him because that's kind of his role as the protagonist in that story but um you know i i had not picked the book up in years Mm -hmm. and now i'm teaching it to my eighth graders and being in the position of teaching it kind of opens opens it up in a way that that it, it didn't it didn't exist for me before and um you overheard me saying this a couple of weeks ago after mm-hmm. we finished recording, I'm a whore for prose. <laughs> right. And there is not anybody in science fiction, mm-hmm. I think, who can be as poetic as Bradbury. Okay. And so I'm I'm really grooving on it, and it's forcing me to really think about the ideas in the book again. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you know, last time I read it, I was a student, and you know, it was like, okay, I get life. it. Yeah, this is a this is a very big book with mm-hmm. very big ideas, and I'm mm-hmm. a precocious you know high schooler, and <laughs> I, I understand this, and this is meaningful. Okay, Stentorian <laughs> tones, and moving on, you know, and then go home and pick up my Dungeons and Dragons books and forget about it completely. And now, as an adult, you know, worrying about what the world's going to look like for my kid. Yeah. There's a whole other set of levels that exist in it, and and so yeah, I, I highly recommend it to anybody and everybody. If you've read it before, reread it and spend some time thinking about it. Nice. How about you? Uh, well, I've got a couple books there on the shelf behind me, but uh, I also just recently picked up uh, Caesar's Civil Wars. So every year I teach uh, Debello Gallico. Every yeah. year I teach the Aeneid. Every year I teach Catullus. Every year I teach some Livy. It's uh, God, I love my job. <laughs> but <laughs> and, and we believe you. Yeah. For that tone. So uh, but uh, I I have not read the Civil Wars in their entirety. I think ever. And I've okay. I've certainly probably pieced it all together. Yeah. 
Um, and so I've I've just gotten past the the wars in Spain. Okay. okay. So he's 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 gone there, and now he's going back to Massilia and settling in for the 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 siege. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's already chased Pompey to Greece, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm almost done with book one, and it's a three book, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so I'm I'm rereading uh, Civil Wars, and it's just so interesting because I mean I teach excerpts from it, uh, but what's fun about it is that uh, I'm I'm seeing just the extent to which uh, Caesar is clearly writing after the fact as the victor, <laughs> like yeah. he is so sympathetic to himself. Um, and he is so, so like, he doesn't demonize the others, but he reduces them in so many ways. Like, it's just, it's so interesting to see just the word choice. And I'm reading an English translation of it, so I'm not reading it from the original. Um, but, uh, it's just, it's been a lot of fun so far just to see that. So, yeah. A question. You talk about him, him really being really sympathetic to himself. Yeah. Really reducing everybody else. He's really trying to make Rome great again. I doubt. Okay. That was all. (laughs) Yeah. That was all I needed. He's just a lot smarter. All I did. Yeah. (laughs) Like he really, that's kind of what I, he has a strategy. (laughs) Yeah. The direction, the direction I wanted to go in. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I know that sounds like, you know, 3am shitter tweets from a certain personage that I'm not going to mention. <laughs> but you know the the I presume again the prose is probably a lot better structured. Oh yeah, lot... yeah. There's a far fewer superlatives. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, here's here's I think the main uh, the main difference is obviously the the intelligence. The main similarity is the personality defects that are allowing mm. him to succeed. Yeah. Like, God. Damn it! Like, you're like, <laughs> the the this utter, shouldn't the work. Utter complete narcissism and the yeah. inability and the inability to concede of being wrong. Yes, it's to it's astounding. Of yeah, being wrong. or or to concede to the idea. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's astounding. Yeah. Derek, you reading anything? I'm a terrible reader. Okay. I, got, I, I must admit, uh, I'm you know I made it through halfway of uh, Chernow's Hamilton. Okay, and and it was okay. it was quite quite enjoyable, and then mm-hmm. I and then I kind of lost the thread. I, I think I do my best reading in uh, Ace Attorney, uh, Phoenix Wright games okay. on three DS. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, actually. But I have been. I finally got back into gaming a little bit. I was we were talking a little bit before sure. the show, um, so that has been. And that's always been sort of my preferred storytelling. Yeah, it's and great literature. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so yeah, I think that's that's been a nice treat for me. Fantastic. Very cool. All right. Uh, well, um, we ran a little bit long, but I think it was totally worth it. Definitely. Uh, so I entirely uh, concur. Yeah. For uh, w- to find us on social media, you can find me at uh, at Duh Harmony on the Twitter, D U H Harmony. And you can find me at at E H Blaylock on the Twitter or Mister Blaylock on uh, uh, Instagram. Oh. Uh, but if you find me there, it'll be a private account, and yeah. I'll have to That's let for you, you follow me or not. <laughs> uh, you can also uh, find us at uh, at Geek History Time on the Twitter, and uh, please uh, subscribe uh, and like us so that uh, we get our, our viewership up and we can be uh, influencers. You, you like us. So. <laughs> you like us. Uh, Derek, is there anywhere uh, that you want to plug yourself? Sure, yeah. If, if people want to follow me, I'm at Derek Lipkin everywhere. I'm the only Derek Lipkin ever. Nice. D-E-R-E-K-L-I-P as in Papa. 
K-I-N as in November. I am also Fresh Poetic on all gaming services. So at Fresh okay. Poetic also on Twitter. You can find me there. I'm also the only Fresh Poetic ever. <laughs> at least that I've found. I keep searching. I keep searching myself just to see if there's another Derek Lipkin That's in the great. world or another Fresh Poetic and there is none. Shockingly, you know, Argyle Jedi has taken up several places. And I'm like, <laughs> damn it. I guess I can't be Argyle Jedi there. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, but also, if you would like to see some great pinball action, yeah. uh, follow twitter.com slash sfpins so it's twitter or i'm sorry i said twitter it's twitch twitch.com slash or twitch.tv slash sfpins so many modifications on that but that is the channel for the best bay area pinball streaming and we will be streaming the city champ tournament on june 22nd and 23rd fantastic very cool just as a side note talking about you know googling yourself Every time I Google myself, the first response that comes up is a voice actor for uh, anime. Oh, very good. Who is, who is not me, but it's like, if there's going to be a famous Ed Blaylock, obviously <laughs> he had to be some kind of Titanic nerd. <laughs> so, on that note, um, this is Ed Blaylock. I'm Damien Harmony. And this is a Geek History of Time. And until next time, keep rolling 20s.